You are listening to Matter of Theology, a podcast production that deals with church and cultural issues from a biblical standpoint. We stand firm on the sufficiency of Scripture, hitting every topic with an open Bible and the boldness to say things that others are afraid to. And now, here's the host of Matter of Theology, Chris Huff. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Matter of Theology, the place where theology matters because everything is a matter of theology. My name is Chris. I am your host. I am joined by my my friend, my brother, the other host. And when I say the other host, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, he's just the other host. Mr. Drew Vonita, how you doing, bro? Tired. Very tired. I bet you are, buddy. Very I bet tired. you are. Why are you so tired, Drew? Bro, we just had another <laughs> baby, so... Hey. So, you know, days at the hospital and yeah. crying newborn and all that <laughs> stuff. And then bringing the newborn home and then having to deal with a toddler and a newborn is uh, fun. That is fun, man. That is a lot of fun. That is a lot of fun. Well, congratulations, buddy. Um, uh, why don't you tell everybody his, his name and how he's doing, man? Yeah, so his name is Rhett Haddon. Vanita. So Rhett as in Rhett Butler, uh, the good old Gone with the Wind story, uh, Rhett Butler, uh, played by Clark Gable, who is uh, basically a man's man. That's right. Uh, there's not many people that can pull off that uh, that pencil mustache, but Clark Gable's one of them. That is very uh, true. I couldn't do it. Yeah. So, so Rhett uh, Haddon after uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. The Prince of Preachers, of course. Um, and then yeah, Vanita, last name. So, just the last name, man. Just the yeah. last name. So we've well, got so so in our family, we've got uh, one Jeremiah Lawson and we've got one Rhett Haddon. So we uh we are pretty good at producing very strong names. This is very true. There we go. Yeah. I had to tighten the stand. That's a very, very true, buddy. You are. You, yeah. you very much are. Well, congratulations to you, Brandy Lawson and Rhett. Um, and, uh, and, and now, now, now comes the, the, the fun part of the newborn. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird because it was like, uh, how do we do this again? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Wait a second. It's like, I was, this seems familiar, but, uh, I feel like I've forgotten a few things. Right, right, right. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, congrats, man. And um, we are we're really excited for you. So the the MOT family just keeps growing. Yep, yep, yep. Sure That's does. Awesome, buddy. That's awesome. Well, uh, in case you guys didn't know, uh, Matter of Theology is a podcast production that seeks to apply biblical truth to all areas of life, whether that be cultural, social, or life inside the church. And uh, we are a part of the Bar Podcast Network. That is the Biblical and Reformed Podcast Network. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as, as we continue to roll on, we are recording this um, in the month of December. Um, and uh, right around Christmas time. So, as uh, as we were kind of thinking through, um, kind of thinking through what to do and and uh, what what to talk about next, um, I I went to Drew and I was like, hey man, you know, let's 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 do something that we love to do. I mean, love to do, and and something that I enjoy tremendously. And that's just let let's exposit a text of scripture. 
And um, let's let, let, let's get into that. And um, and the scripture that we are going to look at is going to be Isaiah chapter nine, uh, verses six and seven. Before what we get there, what you got, there, what you got there, what you I got? do. I, I want to give a shout out to. Uh, so I was uh, last night. Um, Apologetics Live had had their show, and I usually interact um, through through YouTube. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I usually comment back and forth and stuff through YouTube. So if you want to catch me on a, on a Thursday night, typically, uh, I'll be interacting on apologetics live, um, on YouTube, but, uh, one of our listeners, longtime listener, uh, was on there as well, interacting. And he called me out and he said, Hey, it's, it's good to see drew from my favorite podcast matter of theology. And, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. yeah. And so that's Jason Richards. So he interacts, uh, every now and then on our Facebook page, on our Facebook group page, um, asking questions or asking for resources and things like that. Uh, so I just wanted yeah. to give him a shout out, um, That's awesome. uh, for his recognition on, on apologetics life. Uh, and also for everyone listening, we also have official merchandise. That's right. Um, so you need to go over and get your t-shirts and hoodies and coffee mugs. We got a new logo on there. Yeah. And that logo is going to become, you'll see it, it's going to become the official logo starting next year. That's right. Um, so, but, but what I want to do is I want to, I haven't figured out how the promotions and stuff work yet through Bonfire and all that stuff. But what, if you, if you want a matter of theology t-shirt, I've tried to price them as low as I can, you know, just to make them accessible for people yep. because you've also got shipping and tax and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. um, so I've tried to price them as low as I can, but one thing I also want to do is I want to be able to do promotions. So mm. in order to do promotions, the price will have to go up so that it can, so that bonfire can make a profit. And so that we can, you know, we can make a dollar or something like that, but right. you know, people can get, you know, better deals on stuff. So, so at the moment they're like individual stuff is pretty cheap, but at probably around next year or so the prices may go up just so I could do some promotions and things like that. Um, so you can may maybe be able to get a buy one 10% off or, uh, you know, 15% off something like that, whatever. Right. Right. Uh, so it's a little more incentive to buy, um, and things like that. So, but yeah, go, go, yeah, go, go yeah, go get your matter of theology t-shirts, man. We've got, we've got our logo. We've got, the new logo that's that's going to be coming out. We've got the got, OG logo. We got the OGT logo. Okay, um, the original Matter of Theology logo. We've got we've got man, make the church regulative again. Yes, um, bro. We've got we've got we've got lots of different things on there. We preach Christ. Reckless love is reckless worship. Okay, um, personal favorite. A personal favorite. Okay, <laughs> so so there's lots of stuff, and then. After a couple of after an episode next year, we're going to be putting out another couple of shirts that have to do with those episodes. And Chris has already seen those designs, yeah. and those look pretty awesome. They uh, do look pretty awesome. Can't wait for those. But you know, so I'm going to kind of be designing uh, some different T-shirts here and there um, to put out. Um, so make sure you go get your official Matter of Theology T-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs. Uh, all of those things. Do it, do it. And I'll make sure to put a link uh, to that in the show notes so you guys can see that. Mm -hmm. That's good stuff. Thank you, brother. Thank you. And and that was all Drew, man. He, he, 
he looked into it and and started started designing stuff and uh sent stuff over to me and i'm like what is this (laughs) (laughs) especially the hoodie um uh, the hoodie with the new logo on it that's all i'll say i'll I'll, I'll let i'll let everybody go listen or go check it out and then be like i wonder which one's the new logo trust me you'll know you'll know you'll know you'll know so um so yeah brother yeah yeah so man as we uh as we are, are going to get into this, um, you've got, uh, we're, we're, we're going to take a look at Isaiah 6, or excuse me, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. Uh, Isaiah 6 is a great one, and one we've talked about before. Um, but uh, but we're going to take a look at this verse, um, and um, just, I mean, before we do, um, what's great about, about this passage of Scripture um, is this is what, uh, what Dr. John MacArthur would call the centerpiece of all Christmas prophecies. Uh, it was written, you know, roughly 600 years before the birth of Christ, um, and 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 it's it's Isaiah goes into some immense detail just in these two verses alone, um, and and uh, and so I mean this is this is one of my favorite uh, verses of Scripture. Period. It was before, but now after after really getting into the exposition and unpacking this. Um, and I know you guys can't see what I have in front of me. I have my Bible, and then I have um, a, a notebook, or just a um, um, that I've written the passage of Scripture out on, and and just just unpacked it, exegeted it, um, looked at the original language, looking at some some verbs, and um, jotting down thoughts and and stuff like that. And this is one of my favorite things to do. Um, is to exposit scripture like this, and and um, there what what kind of really what really got me thinking about this was I was listening to a song um, as as uh, I'm one of those people who um, if you ask me brother if you say hey when should you start listening to Christmas music I'll I'll I'll, I'll change my answer each year <laughs> so <laughs> like there are some years like I'll start listening you know after Halloween there's some years I'll start listening after Thanksgiving there's some years I won't start listening until halfway through December. Um, but it was after Thanksgiving this year and I was listening to this song um, and it just, it's, it's a very, very catchy uh, melody. And it just, it, it, it just says for his name is wonderful counselor, mighty God, Prince of peace, everlasting father, Emmanuel. And um, it, it's, it's a song of praise. It's a song uh, that is just, I mean, just the chorus itself is Isaiah nine, six put to script, to put, put to music. Um, and, and, and there've been a couple of other songs for me musically over the years that, uh, that I've, I've played in, in churches and, and, uh, that have, uh, verse seven as part of the bridge of the song or something like that. And so, so this, this song was, was one that I'm just, I'm walking around the house singing the song or I'm grabbing my guitar, playing it. And, my son is going, what is that? And so I'm, I'm teaching it to him and showing it to him. And, and so then we, I really started unpacking uh, these two verses, brother. And it, it, man, there's, there, there's a lot, there's a lot here and we will not even begin to scratch. I don't know. We say that, right. It's, it's not cliche. It's very true that there is a lot, a lot here. As far as theology goes, there's a lot of deep theology that should, um, that should end up eliciting a, a, a doxological response just in reading this verse of scripture. So I think one of our, one of my prayers for this time is that after we get done with this, that, that you'll go, man, yeah, I, I want to take some time to, to study that myself. So mm. what, what are some of your initial thoughts, bro? 
Um, just about this passage. So, <clears throat> you know, we're typical, uh, we, we typically know the, the Christmas story as uh, Luke 2, chapter 2. Right. Uh, we also see some in, in Matthew as well. And then it always gets traced back to here, right? Isaiah 9. And, yep. uh, you know, I love what you said about John MacArthur, because John MacArthur, he also said, especially this passage E3, that Isaiah 53 is probably mm-hmm. the clearest uh, presentation of the gospel yes. of who the Messiah would be yep. uh, prior to Christ, right? It, it, it's the full, clearest explanation of what the Messiah will do in the gospel in one chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we see some of that just in these two verses oh, yeah. of, of Isaiah 9. But, you know, if we really want to start the Christmas story, we can take this all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, the right. promise of the seed of the woman yep. who would come. And now here in these, these two verses, we, we see that unpacking of this of who the seed is what right what he's going to do mm-hmm. um and, and what is said about him and uh and just what he's going to do so um so those were kind of my initial 40,000 view uh thoughts just coming into this passage because we know Luke 2 we know Matthew we right. know we, we know they all tie back to this this it's typical christmas time this is what everyone does this is what it, but i also think everyone i i think they know what's told to them through kind of those you know those church plays or mm. or, or those those little <laughs> yeah, church yeah, yeah. Th- those churchy kind of uh segments right where they kind of mention it but they don't explain it Mm-hmm. And so, so people miss some kind of things that, that are intricate in the passage and what these things actually uh, connect to and why, why it's even more glorious than what you would hear in those just little churchy sermonettes, okay? I mean, it goes way beyond uh, those things. Absolutely, brother. A- absolutely. You, you could not be more correct. Uh, the, the, the Christmas story begins in, in Genesis. It, it's, um, and, and as we've said often, um, on, on, on MOT is, is, you know, uh, th- this was not, um, uh, you know, plan a, as if there was a plan right. B, this right. is the plan of God for salvation for all of those who would believe all, uh, of those whom God would grant, um, uh, justification by faith alone, uh, in Christ alone, uh, has always been the plan, and and the Christmas story um, is, is a time is a time for us to remember and celebrate um, uh, all of those intricacies that you talked about, all of the, of the prophecies fulfilled, um, all that God has done through Christ, um, and and here we see that in 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 Isaiah um, in Isaiah nine. There, there's there's so much again. There's so much here. Um, but just just in case you didn't know, just for a little background, um, Isaiah uh, is is the name of the author. He's a prophet, um, and his name literally means Yahweh is salvation. Like that's that that that's what Isaiah means. And just a little background, just 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 information. Um, Isaiah is quoted in the New Testament sixty five plus times, and that's more than Isaiah is quoted more than any other prophet um, in the New Testament. Um, and, and, and so, uh, uh, 
the, the name of Isaiah is mentioned 20 plus times. And, and there, there's incredible, incredible history here. And um, I, I didn't, I, well, I didn't remember this until I, I really started digging into this, but um, brother, do you know how Isaiah died? Yeah. So if you don't know how Isaiah died, you should go look it up. Um, it, it was pretty gruesome. Uh, it was, it, it was, it was pretty, pretty horrible. Um, but uh, man, just, uh, just what we see, what we see all throughout the, the book of Isaiah, the letter of Isaiah. Um, so wait, is, are you it, not going to tell us now? <laughs> no, I'm going to make people go look it up. <laughs> should I, should I, should I tell them? I mean, you, you built up the anticipation. I did. I did. <laughs> okay. Okay. Leave so, it there. Uh, yeah, I did. You're right. So, so, okay, here's the thing. I mean, he was sawn in two and, and, and not only was he cut in half with a saw, it was a wooden saw. Like, like tradition is very clear to, to spell that out. It was a wooden saw. Think of, just think about the pain. Uh, and, and, it takes and, a long time. Yeah, it takes a long time. It's very hard. I mean, just wow. Um, so uh, Isaiah, Isaiah is rich, uh, as, as Drew already pointed out, um, uh, but, you know, as, as Dr. John MacArthur so wonderfully walked through, and he has a book entitled The Gospel According to God, where he unpacks Isaiah 53, uh, one of my favorite books by John. Um, and in fact, in, in my, the preacher's Bible that I have, the big thick one, what people call the Mac brick, you should see Isaiah 53 in that thing, man, there's, uh, you can barely see the text, to be honest, if I didn't highlight it. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, so we just, we wanted to dig into this. Um, we wanted to unpack it and, uh, and just have a conversation around these, these two verses. So buddy, do you have anything else to add before we, before we dig in? No, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, cool. So I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to read the passage. Uh, of course, I'm reading out of the Legacy Standard Bible. Um, uh, which is very, very close to the, to the NASB. Um, well, when they get the, uh, the reference cross-reference, uh, edition, I'll get it. Spring of next year, buddy. It's coming spring of next year. Um, all right. So this is Isaiah six, uh, excuse me. I have to keep doing that. Isaiah nine verses six and seven. Um, scripture says this for a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of Yahweh of hosts will accomplish this. So, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right, brother. What, what, what you got, man? Kick us off. Well, I mean, the best place to start is, you know, right at the beginning of verse six. Absolutely. For a child. Now, the thing about this, the, 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 there's actually a lot just wrapped into these three words, for a child. Yes. Mainly, mainly concerning the, the word child, mm-hmm. because what we see here is we see kind of the irony of God, right? Mm. We, we, we see the great king of the universe, Jesus Christ, the only begotten of the Father, right? We see him, the, 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 the instrument through whom the entire world, the entire universe was made, right? That's right. That's right. 
he is now going to condescend, meaning come down lowly into the form of a child. The great king leaves his throne to now come into the body of a baby to where his arms and his legs have to be swaddled up in his, in his, in his mother's linens. Yeah. Talk about irony, right? Right. Amen. <laughs> so, 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 and, and what do we just see in that? We see what well, we see a lot of things. We see the, even the nature of the Christian walk, we have to start somewhere. We have to start small. And the Christian walk is one of that, continually progresses. So we have to start as a babe and we, and we grow into maturity. Um, but we, what it also shows is we too, like children are dependent upon someone else. Mm -hmm. We're helpless. So even though the great King of the universe is just that he came down and he had to be nourished by his mother, he had to be cared for, and so we see, and this is also gets into what we call the humiliation of Christ. This is the other right. aspect I wanted right. to discuss, the yep. humiliation of Christ, where he, he, that condescension, where he comes down and he becomes incarnate, he becomes like us. He takes on our nature um, as humans, not our sin nature, but, our, right. but our finite nature as in human bodies. Yep. And he becomes, he, he, he begins this journey in, uh, of the incarnation as a child, as a that's right. babe. That's right. And, and he has to do that because that's where we begin. And he has to, he has to be, <laughs> think about this. Jesus is the perfect one at every stage of life. Yep. We go through all these different stages of life. We go through uh, infancy, childhood, adolescence, teenage years, adulthood. Jesus, when he came in as a, as a baby, as a child, he was the perfect child. Mm -hmm. When he moved into toddler, he was the perfect toddler. <laughs> and, and he conquered all of, the, he conquered the law of God. Because you even see uh, in the story of Matthew, in the story of Luke, where he has to go and be presented at at the temple before yep. the priest, yep. right? These yep. are all yep. things of, of even Jesus as a babe, fulfilling the law of God. So, so, so the things that we couldn't do, even at the, the infancy stages of life, Jesus comes and is the perfection of that. And he has to start in the same place that we start because he has to be our representation. Exactly. He, he cannot, he cannot represent us on the cross if he is not like us. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Well, and, and, and he has, yes. So, so you've got, you've got that. Um, but then I think it's important to, to point out as well, Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, right, right. but one who has been tempted in all things like we are yet without sin. It's a very, very important that, that when we see, you know, uh, for a child will be born to us, um, that, that he felt everything. Uh, that, that that we feel that he's gone through he 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 walks through he's walked through each stage of life that we all have to walk through, um, so that that's incredibly important to remember and not to skip over. And as you and I were talking about, um, notice here, you know, you're reading up 
out of the new American standard, I'm reading out of the legacy standard. And they, and they both do the same thing that when in the scriptures, when you see uh, any sort of reference to the, the Trinity, the God, the father, God, the son, God, the spirit, um, that it's capitalized. Those pronouns are capitalized. So what you don't see here is you don't see child and you don't see son capitalized. Um, and as you and I were talking, there, there, there's a reason for that of what this is speaking of is this is, this is speaking for a child. A, a, a child, an, a, a small human, an infant, mm-hmm. a newborn will uh, be born to us, a son, lowercase s, son, a son will be given. That's important to remember. We see uh, we, we see just uh, just in, in our, our copy of God's word in chapter seven of Isaiah and in, in verse 14, we see uh, this this verse, therefore, the Lord himself, will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will be with child, same thing, lowercase child, and bear a son, and she will call his name, capital H, Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and, and, and we see other references um, um, uh, throughout the scripture. You you referenced Matthew. Um, Matthew one twenty three. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and she shall bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which, which translated means God with us. That's Matthew one twenty three. Um, Matthew one twenty one. she will bear a son and you will call his name. No, that's a little different. You will call his name, Jesus, Matthew specifically talking about Christ there. Um, and he will save people from their sins. But, but brother, that, that, that's an incredibly important reminder that, that we, we understand that, um, that the way Christ came is important, that the fulfilling of prophecy absolutely is definitely important, but the way he came, even from, uh, from the moment of the immaculate conception, the virgin birth, um, to him being a child and in his humanity, in his humiliation needed the care of his, of his earthly parents and those around him. What a fantastic reminder. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so to touch on child and son, just real quick. And we're going to get into this when we get into to verse seven, because it explicitly says it here. But the reason it's not, it's not capitalized is because this is drawing your attention back to the promise of David, that a child would come from the root of David That's right. to sit on his throne. That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. Well, a couple of things uh, jump out to me as well, and 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 you notice the the definitive statements given mm-hmm. uh, in this prophecy: for a child will be right. born, right. will will uh, will bear, will be brought forth. Um, you use the word begotten earlier. Another uh, in the Hebrew, another word for born is beget. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and you've got a son. This is this is a. Um, uh, and you already pointed it out, but what I had written down in my notes is this is allusion to a boy being born in the line of David, in the kingdom of David, who would sit on the throne. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but this son will be, uh, will be given, will be bestowed, will be devoted and consecrated, um, will be, will be set, will be, will be put to us. Um, I mean, the, the, the language here also is very, very, very important and you can't, skip over that um at all what you got man yeah no um you know i think those uh definitive statements those those wills they are they're declarations of assurance absolutely right there it's not something you go you read and you go okay maybe he will okay i mean possibly he will like no god says he will do mm-hmm. these things. Yes. And so and so if God says 
he will, then he will. (laughs) 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 And we need to live as though, as though God is not a liar. Amen. Amen. Well, all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. And so we say, amen. Um, um, And you see, by the way, you see that throughout, throughout these two verses, you see, you know, will be, will be, uh, will be, will, will be, um, um, you know, there, there, there are these absolute statements that are made. um, And and you can't, you can't, you can't skip over that. That's incredibly important. And I think in, in our, our day and age, you've got, and, and, and this continues to be the case, you've got the such commercialization um, around Christ, around the birth of Christ. And, uh, you've got second commandment violations all over the place. You've got, you know, and that, that's, that's the least of it, to be honest. It's the, the commercialization, the, um, uh, put, putting, putting a, you know, ma- making it a, about making the remembrance of Christ's birth, um, about what it's not. And, right, right. and so it's always, always important to go back to, um, to go back to scripture, and yeah. and to understand the depth and the weight of of how Christ came, when He came. Yeah. Um, well, I let's mean, just go even go for the purpose that Christ came, right? So, absolutely. Because so, people always say they go, "Well, He is the reason for the season," meaning Christ mm. is the reason for the season. And yes, right. that's true. But we we need to go back before that and go. Sin is the reason for the season because sin then, is wow. why Christ came in the first place. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you, brother, I could not agree more. Um, I could not agree more. And so you look at, speaking of that, I mean, you look at, you look at what was going on, by the way, when this prophecy was made and what was happening, uh, where Isaiah was versus what we're seeing in our day and age. And there are a lot of similarities, Mm -hmm. a lot of similarities. And so, um, you know, I d- dare I say that you know there there are many professing believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who um, who need to open their eyes, and they need to open their eyes to the, the the beauty, the wonder, and the majesty, and the hope, and the hope that we have in the completed work of the Lord Jesus Christ, um, and and why He came. So, brother, that's that. that I mean, I I I, I love. This is one of the reasons that I love this because. Um, in, a, in a in a world today, and with the last couple of years that we've experienced with the uh, the, the 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 propagation of, of fear mongering and um, false gospels, uh, you know anything to do with with CRT and the social gospel, and um, just the, the 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 hopelessness that sometimes not sometimes all the time comes from worldly systems. That was worldly systems that are passing away. Thank God, <laughs> um, is 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 can cast a dark shadow. And it's good to remember and to get back to, um, you know, when we read passages like Isaiah nine six and seven, the hope that we find, the power that we find in these words, um, the prophecy that we've seen fulfilled, and the promises yet to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and those things tie directly into. Um, kind of these other phrases that are in this first sentence, right? Uh, will be born to us and mm-hmm. will be given to us. Yeah. So, so one, one thing we need to understand is for a child will be born to us. That means he is going to be given to us for our benefit. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then when he is uh, a child will be given to us, He's going to be offered up on our behalf. Yep. yep. 
Yep. Absolutely. Well, and uh, this is something Dr. John MacArthur pointed out um, when I was doing some study after I did the exposition. But but what, this is this is uh, speaking of the words and the language. Dr. MacArthur said this quote. He said um, he said Isaiah suggests that Jesus existed before his birth. He was already God, the second person of the Trinity, before he was given to us to be our Savior. He came as the Son of God, God in a human body, to conquer sin and death forever. He is the perfect Son of God, the promise of the ages, the Holy One of Israel, the desire of the nations, the light in the darkness, the only hope for our lost world, period, close quote. Now, what a reminder. What a, and, 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 and again, God's word the, from, from, from the smallest word that you see to, 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 uh, Passages like Ephesians two, uh, you know, one through ten. Um, the, the the words we find in Scripture matter. He was already God. You cannot listen. You cannot deny the virgin birth. Um, you cannot deny that Christ is God, and be an actual believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. You can't. And and Isaiah's words here lay continue help to continue to lay that foundation that not only does he come in 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 humiliation as a human being but he is truly god verily god verily man and we have to remember that and isaiah lays that out for us here yeah 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 um so yeah let's keep going let's do it man let's do it so so for uh for a child will be born to us a son will be given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders uh let's 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 let's, let's, let's take that section right yeah. there what yeah. you got so 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 the <clears throat> the government will rest on his shoulders now this is his government that's right this is his kingdom his rule this is what he brings when he comes and we can see this uh we can see this in the gospels we see uh, Christ is, is constantly talking about the, the kingdom. Uh, the parables are kingdom parables, uh, even to the point to where he says, um, if you see the Son of Man casting out uh, demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So it's there. So we, so we see the, him bringing his kingdom, his government, his rule. That's right. And it, yeah, and it's it's just one of those those things that he brings it, and it sits its resting place is on his shoulders. Which mm-hmm. is, if you know anything about your shoulders, especially back in this day, when you were moving something that was big, you put it on your shoulders. I mean, even right. nowadays, like if I'm moving something really big and heavy, I lift it to my shoulders because then I have all the leverage of the rest of my body underneath, so I can carry it. So. Christ's government, Christ's kingdom sits on his shoulders because he is the one that carries it to completion. That's right. That's right. I mean, his, 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 his government, his rule, his dominion, uh, his kingdom. And, and you see references to this in Psalm 2. You see references in Matthew, the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 1 Corinthians 15, Revelation 19. Do you see that he is saying that his kingdom, his government, his rule, his dominion, it will rest. And, and I love, again, it, it, 
there, there's look for all of you out there who aren't um, students of the original languages. Um, number one, I would implore you to be. Um, uh, and, and if you're like, well, I can't afford to take a Greek class or a Hebrew class. Well, I have a great resource for you. It's called Blue Letter Bible. Um, and it's, I, it, I, I also have a good resource. It's called, uh, Jared, um, at cruciform Bible Institute, where he teaches the Greek class, but yeah. he teaches it and it's super affordable. Okay. Yes. There's, there's, especially in Greek, there's four classes, but he, he doesn't just teach you the, 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 the alphabet and things and just words and vocabulary and things like that. He teaches you how the sentences work together. Yep. so that you can then translate the text on your own. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just wanted to throw that Good out plug. there because be, just because not not just be, not because of Cruciform Bible Institute but because Jared is a good teacher and Jared's in a phenomenal teacher. Yeah. Yeah, good call, brother. Good call. Good call. Um but but this is important when you look at the word rest um there specifically um and the government will rest. It's a phrase in the Hebrew. Um, and, and when it's, uh, when, when, when you see it translated, um, in, in a, in a few different manners there in the old Testament, uh, you see it translated as, as, um, rest, it will come to pass. It, it has been, it, it it's becoming, um, you see, like, I mean, it is, it is, it is going to appear, arise. It is going to come. It is in existence. Uh, it abides. Um, it remains. Um, it stands. Uh, so all of these words um, are, are are fantastic synonyms and words that you see throughout the scriptures in the Hebrew. Uh, this word rest is important. You see it. I mean, just in the Old Testament, you see this this phrase occur almost thirty six hundred times. Um, and when God, for instance, when God said in Genesis one, let there be same thing, the word rest and let there be are synonymous. That's important. That's incredibly important that the, the government when he will rest, will become, will be done where on his shoulders across the, across the, the shoulder blades of the back of the son of God. Um, and again, this highlights one of the many, many places that you see when you start digging into this, that you see the importance of the fact that, that you can't deny the deity of the Messiah. You can't. His kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, no, no human being not being God could bear the weight of the government of God. Did I say that correctly? I'm, I, I, did I say that correctly? Yeah, no, no human being could bear that weight. Yeah, of the, of the government. Yeah. Absolutely, and it, no, no, it, 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 it could not well, happen. Well, see, I wouldn't. I, I, I would say they, they can't bear the weight of it, but. I think it also goes to to the nature of man himself is that man doesn't want God's government because on, because man. what does what does Paul say right he he says you cannot even do the law of God you don't even desire to so so not only can man not uphold it even if he wanted to he couldn't because because mm -hmm. really his deep desire is not to do it because the law of God actually holds you accountable. And it says, right. you must be holy because God is holy. And this law, this government is what actually tells us whether or not you are holy. 
That's right. That's right. Well, and, 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 and speaking of that, you know, I think, I think to Christ's words, you know, about, uh, about how there, there's all of us, all of us, uh, love the darkness rather than the light. Right. And, yeah. and yeah. that is so true. Go ahead. Well, I, I mean, but even in the government of God itself, um, in his kingdom is the display of perfect justice and perfect righteousness. Those aren't things that man desires. Now, once we come to Christ, once God has drawn us, once he has changed our nature, given us a new heart, we, we now desire those things, but we, but we still are, we're imperfect. We, we chase after those things. Sometimes we chase after those things in vain, um, for our own, for for our our own, um, boasting. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we chase after that. Um, but, but when we come to Christ, we now have a desire for the things of God, for the holy things of God, for the law of God. And I would say, if if you don't have a desire for the perfect law of God to actually live out holiness, I would say there's a problem. Uh, you you yes. probably have yep. a heart issue that that you really need to to bring before the Lord, because Amen. David says the law is good. He mm. meditates on it day and night. The law is not a burden; it's given for our benefit. That's right. It, the law of God is 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 what displays his beauty and and his again his perfect justice, his perfect righteousness, his his glory, his mercy, and his grace to people. So if you don't love the law of God, well, we got a problem. Let, let's let's right. take some time and let's 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 talk about that a little bit. But yeah, you're you're right. No man can can uphold the can uphold the government, God's government, because he is physically incapable, but also because his heart is wicked and he just doesn't desire it. So, so who is the only one that can uphold it, but God himself? That's right. That's right. That's absolutely right. No, no one, no one can, Uh, no one can. Um, So, so uh, brother, amen. Amen, man. Continuing on. So in, in his name will be called and and I wanted to to pause right here uh, because I think I think it's it's important to not just blow past this. Um, very important, and, and his name will be called. It absolutely will again that de- that declarative absolute statement. And, and we have to remember that this is that that the name of God, the glory of God, is God's number one concern. In His name, His reputation, His fame, His glory. Um, who he is, the name, the designation of God, Yahweh, our Adonai, our our Lord, uh, the name of Christ. Well, his let me na- let me correct you real quick because it's Uh-oh. something that we've talked about. Uh oh, uh oh. Because you, you said God's name is his number one concern. I would actually point you back to the Psalms where he says he upholds his word over his own name, <laughs> but his name is up there. He, <laughs> okay i mean i'm just saying we we've had conversations with people where we've had to say god upholds his word over his own name so but that doesn't mean uh his name i mean there's there's a commandment about not taking his name in vain and we literally everything we do in a day takes his name in vain because we're just not paying attention absolutely absolutely (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, that was, I was like, mm, we've note. talked about that, bro. Come on. Yeah, we have, we have, um, we absolutely have. So, but his name, it will be called, um, it will be, uh, recited, read, cried out, proclaimed, um, uh, sung, 
um, his name will be called. And then, and then Isaiah. Oh, say one, that again. Say that, say that one again. His name will be called sung. out, recited. Sung. His name will be yes. sung. Yes. Now think about this. Okay. Cause, cause you, you're a music guy, right? I'm yep. a music guy. Now you're a singer. I'm not a singer. Um, but that doesn't mean I can't sing. And let me, let, let me, so if you are listening to us and you go, Hey, Chris is a singer. I'm not a singer. Okay. Look, let me, we not are created. <laughs> we are created to sing. Absolutely. So commanded now to. let me, we're commanded to, but, but not only just commanded to, that's how our bodies are designed. So let me tell you, if you, if, if you're listening to this and you're a voice coach, um, a, a, a vocalist, a voice coach, you can back me up on this because I've done musicals. I've, I've had lessons from guys who have been on Broadway. Okay. And they've affirmed this when we sing properly, right. And I'm talking singing from your diaphragm. That's right. That's right. Breathing right. Right. You're not, right mm -hmm. Breathing right. You're not using your head voice. Um, you're breathing from your diaphragm and singing from your diaphragm. What happens when you sing properly is your, your vocal cords are continually lubricating themselves yep. so that you can continue to sing. And so now what are we to do in our relationship? We are to sing the, the Psalms. God gave us a song book that yep. we are to sing because God glories in our singing his praises. And That's so right. we were created to sing melodies and joys and glories to him. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Well, amen and right on. And let me just say this too, when you're singing properly, when, you, when you're singing properly with your focus and devotion on the name of God and realizing and, and having, having the fuel for what you're singing be rich and deep theology found only in the word of God, um, that number one, there's nothing like it. Number two, the act of singing physically, by the way, let me just say this. The act of singing physically is, is the loudest for a, any continuous time that any, any, any person can project their voice, okay? And what I mean by that is typically when you sing, it's louder than even when you, sometimes when you're yelling, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. It's you are seeing. And so when, think about that, when the scriptures say, uh, when the scriptures say, sing with a loud shout, a loud praise, however you want to word that the Psalms are, 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 are littered with, with that command and that reminder. I mean, that, that, that's what, that, that's what it is. It's, it's, you are, you are doing what God created you and has commanded you to do. Well, there's a, there's a reason why singing is louder than when yes. you're yelling. It's because yeah. just what it takes to yell, it restricts your vocal cords. Mm -hmm. And so then you're having to force the sound through and you're tearing up your, your throat. Oh yeah. Yep. It, it, but when you're singing and you're singing properly, your, your vocal cords are relaxed and they're open and then they're resonating. So the sound carries and projects farther and louder. That's right. That's right. So his name will be called, recited, declared, sung. His name will be called. And now we see the prophet Isaiah launch into these, these descriptors mm -hmm. of who he is, that each one of them in the Hebrew contains a different definition. Mm -hmm. 
um, these these confessions, uh, if you will, uh, that one day, um, well, let me put it this way, you will either confess these now or in eternity. Um, and you you will, I mean, you think of you think of passages of scripture like uh, uh, Philippians 2, 5 through 11, um, where one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess um, of, of who he is. Um, but but here here's an important thing to remember that these that these descriptors these um, these names um, these these four names that we see um, four phrases that we see uh, are attributes of God as well um, and, and remember you cannot and we said this a bunch but just to say it again you cannot divorce um, God's attributes from His actions right. um, so so let me just say that and so 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 the prophet says. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Mm-hmm. And then there's a period there in, in our in our English Bibles. Mm-hmm. And so so in each and, and again going back to the capitalization thing, the the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, and the NAS and the LSB are are both of the words in each one of those four phrases is capitalized. So, so we start and we see here um, that, that, that he, his name shall be called, I mean, you could just stop at the first word, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, in the, uh, so in the KJV, they actually have it split up between wonderful, counselor, mighty God, eternal father, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yep. and if you get into the Hebrew grammatically, mm-hmm. it, it does allow for that, but uh, in in the sentence, it, we kind of see this pattern of descriptor and noun, right? Yeah. So so yeah. wonderful yeah. counselor, mighty God, eternal Father, Prince mm-hmm. of Peace. Now that's a phrase, but it still has the idea. It still carries the same idea of everlasting bringer of everlasting peace. That's right. That's right. Yeah. When you, I mean, you think of what, so, so starting with this first one here, man. And good point, brother. Good point. Uh, wonder, wonderful, marvelous. Um, and, and, and this is, this is, this is, this not, not only describes his acts and judgments and not only describes what we see in redemption and regeneration, but it describes who he is. He is wonder. He is wonderful. Um, uh, w- what an important reminder. Who is, who else is wonderful like Christ? I mean, who, can you think of anything more wonderful than the redemption of your wretched heart mm-hmm. to step into all of eternity to, as we talked about earlier, in his humiliation, to, to step into this world and humiliate himself by wrapping himself in, in flesh and, and then living the life that we could not, dying in our place, um, and, and then now we see in John 17 that even Christ himself intercedes for his children, his adopted children. What is more wonderful than that? What is more wonderful than, than Jesus Christ, the Messiah, being the source of any and all truth in all matters of life and godliness? What is more wonderful than that? Um, he I mean, knows everything about you, knows your heart, knows your intentions. Yet if you are among the elect, he has saved you, knows you, lives inside of you. I mean, just start thinking about that. Let your let your mind go to those wonderful reminders in scripture of 
of, of who we were before Christ. Uh, Ephesians 2, you know, 1 through 10, being dead in our transgressions and sins, but God being rich in mercy. Um, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ, there is no one more wonderful. Mm-hmm. What you got, Pat? Yeah. No, I think I think you summed up the term wonderful wonderfully. <laughs> well, and, and and then speaking to that, you know, next there's counselor. Mm-hmm. You know, you see that 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 word counselor, and and um, that that let me just leap off of something I said a second ago. You know, John John fourteen. Um, you see that Jesus said to him, "I'm the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." Um, so, so that 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 term that that term counselor is 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 important. Um, uh, you know, do we do we see also too? I mean, that Christ is called John calls him the living Word of God, um, and then we have the breathed out physical Word of God um, here with us. Do we consult the wonderful Counselor? through the promises of scripture or do we try to figure things out on our own not real understanding and, and and realizing who he is and the wonder and the beauty and the majesty of of, of christ and and regeneration but then he is a counselor mm-hmm. you can go to him in prayer ask you know whatever you ask in my name it shall be given unto you now obviously if you've listened to our show for any given period of time you know that we are not prosperity preachers in any way, shape, or form, um, but but my goodness, we we see so many promises littered throughout the scriptures of of him being you know our our uh, counsel, finding our counsel in the scriptures, finding our counsel in Christ, um, seeking after and yearning after the wisdom of God, the wisdom of Christ. Where do we find that, Drew? Scripture. There you go. Yeah. Well, I mean, just think who better to counsel the soul than the one who created the soul in the first place. That's right. That's right. right? Amen. So, so, and you touched on it as well that, you know, we come to God in prayer, right? Now we don't just come to God in prayer for our, just our needs or the needs of others and through intercessory prayer, but we also just come to God in prayer to commune with God, to That's have right. that, that relationship and that fellowship. Um, but even, even in that, even if we don't make our petitions for our, ourselves known, God does know. And therefore, mm. how does he speak to us in return? He speaks to us through his word. Amen. Um, so we come to God in our relationship to him in our communion with him. And then he speaks to us through his word and he leads and he guides us in that way. Um, and so, you know, it's really, uh, humbling, and but also joyous at the mm. same time to think about as as redeemed sinners as bought back sinners mm. we can throw our name in with those who that the father counsels mm-hmm. right it's wow. not we, we yeah. don't we don't That's have good. to we don't have to seek out a counselor now, if you need, I would say professional counseling. I said that right. you know that's for different. these that's different, right? And I think there are some that that that's a need, uh, but but I mean, just in terms of our spirituality and for our souls and dealing with sin and on this level and our uh, our our combativeness so often with the Spirit of God and the Son of God and and the Father Himself, um, right? right we we can come to him and, and his word will counsel us. And then 
since we are redeemed sinners, we can, we can throw our name in amongst the number of those whom he has, he has brought into himself as those whom he counsels through his word. Um, because, because I mean, we all know atheists can read the Bible and just kind of have a general understanding of what it says, but they can't get into the inner council portion of what it means and how, how it hits. Right. Cause, 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 cause when you're redeemed, that scripture hits differently. You know what I'm saying? Well, it hits differently (laughs) because of the application of the spirit, you know, it's, the, it's it's the it's the spirit applying the hard truths of the word to the heart that makes soft hearts. It's the spirit that applies the wonderful truths of the word that that gives us those those, those, those sweet 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 moments of counseling at uh, when, when we need it the most. Right. Um, it's the wisdom found in the word of God applied by the Holy Spirit. Um, that, that doesn't just, we don't just rely on wishful thinking, mm-hmm. but, but, but we have wonderful and powerful truths to stand upon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's one of, I and mean, we could keep going and just spend the rest of the time talking about one counselor here, but, um, but that, 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 that is one thing that we see in um, our God, uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ as counselor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So then Let's we move going. in. Yeah, man. Then we move into. I mean, the, the, these next two, man. I mean, mighty God, mighty God. Um, uh, you know, which wh- is it's so so weird because uh, there's a a guy who's pretty YouTube famous, and especially in dealing with. Uh, oh, do you want me to say his name? You can say his name. Okay, you know, the officer Tatum, Brandon Tatum. You Tatum. Um, <laughs> Um, let's get into this. Let's get into um, this. So he recently did some kind of thing, some kind of YouTube live thing, or he was Multiple on somebody else's IG lives. Yeah. 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 Okay. Where he, um, and he was talking about Christ and someone asked him in, in and they were, he, he was, he was saying, there's no passages where Jesus is called God or people worship him as God. I'm going to Peter call him this. God. Did Peter call him God? Yeah. yeah. And I'm going, dude, yes. Tim, <laughs> Timothy, what did Timothy call him? He said, my Lord and my God. Right? Well, he was asking through the, he was specifically asking in the gospels. I was, right. I was, I was in the chat on that one, by the way. Yeah. And I was, I was quoting verses. And I'm yeah. like, bring me, bring me on, please. Me. Yeah. And then I but, got ignored. But, but I mean, look here, we know this passage is talking about the Christ. And what does it say? The Christ will be called mighty, mighty God. God. Mighty then, God. It, so, so, so I, I, I don't understand where someone can say, can be asked directly, do you worship Jesus? And they say, not as God because, and their, their reasoning is because the, the Bible doesn't call him God. And we go, yes, it does. Absolutely does. It absolutely does. It absolutely does. He is, he is a mighty God. He is a, a valiant warrior. He is, <laughs> Uh, I mean, all, all of those uh, synonyms, I, I could list them off, but I'm not going to, um, of, of the word mighty. And then he is God. That is who he is. You cannot, you cannot 
you cannot say that you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can, if you profess to be a Christian, but you deny Christ's deity, then you do not possess what you say you pro, what, what, what you say you 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 possess. Whatever you prof, you don't. You cannot deny that. Scripture is clear. Not just here. Not just in Timothy. All throughout. All throughout the scriptures. Um, and, and, and I mean, for the sake of, of, of time and, and, and what we're doing here, we see it right here, plain as day. His name yeah. will be called Mighty God, mm-hmm. Eternal Father. You, yeah. you, 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 can't, you can't deny that. Yeah. You just, now, you just now can't. This, this is not the same person as the Father, okay? Just to, for the Very Unitarians and the modalists, <laughs> right? Just Jesus is not the Father. Right. right. What this has to do with is this has to do with kind of the father of salvation, the one through whom you go to for salvation. Well, I, I would say let, let's I mean, it's it's eternal, first of all. Right. He is eternal. He is forever. He is right. continuing into the future. Uh, he is throughout, you know, uh, eternity past present and eternity future. Mm-hmm. Um, Christ has no beginning and no end in, in, in his deity. Okay. We, we, we have to remember that we have to confess that we have to believe that, that he is eternal. He is uh, forever and ever, as you see in other places in scripture. Um, um, uh, you, you cannot, you cannot deny that either. Um, there is no end to Christ. Uh, you know, sorry for, you know, that there've been so many people throughout the years, especially the last few decades who have tried to say that God is dead. He's out to lunch, whatever the case may be. No, he is eternal. Christ is eternal. Uh, and we see throughout other passages of scripture that w- where he is currently seated at the right hand of the father, which is very important. Um, and I actually meant to, meant to quote this verse before we kind of started this section, but I'm glad I remember it now, but, but Hebrews 13, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So for those out there, those modalists out there, those who would maybe have heard Brandon Tatum talking about this, um, no, no, you, you can't, Jesus Christ is mighty God. He is eternal father. Um, incredibly important point to remember. Go ahead. Yeah, no, it's because he is eternal and he is eternally God and he is the same yesterday, today and forever. That means um, he was always God and he will never cease to be God. If were he able to cease to be God, then he was never God to begin with, because God cannot cast off his deity. Right, right. Sorry, Bill Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Sorry for those of you who hold to kenosis. Yeah, seriously. Well, and and one of the things that that uh, going back to, to Dr. MacArthur again, one of the things that he pointed out is that that Isaiah nine six could this section could uh, that this eternal Father could literally be translated as the Father of Eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the reason the reason we can say that again because as Scripture as diamond cuts a diamond, so Scripture interprets Scripture. Thomas Watson. Um, so we have to remember that. But but Christ is the Creator of heaven and of earth. Okay, we have to remember that um, uh, we, we, he, he is the father of eternity. Now, that, that's also important, I think. I think that's also important uh, and backs us up uh, a few words too. And the government will rest on his shoulders. Why will it do that? Because he's the father of eternity. The government, God's government, God's dominion, God's rule rests eternally on the back of Christ. 
we we must understand that. And 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 Isaiah lays that out for us here. Mm-hmm. What you got, bro? No, keep going. Keep going. Okay, cool. So he's the eternal father and then uh, prince of peace. He is the prince of peace. Um, and uh, wow, what a phrase we see here. What, what, what were some of your initial, man, what, what did you dig into well, on this one? Well, my really just my initial thought in this, the, the prince of peace is that he is the one because one, because he is eternal. He is the one who brings about everlasting peace. It is it, it is a peace that, and we'll get into this probably in the next phrase, his government or of his peace, which is a uh, it is m- kind of multifaceted. It's a it's a peace uh, with God. It's a peace with others. It's one that once we are in Christ, right, because He brings it. He's the one over it. It's one that continues to grow. It grows, uh, and it grows within us. It grows uh, in us through other people, and then it grows uh, in us as as it relates to our relationship to God. So it is. Uh, he is the bringer of this particular type of peace. So I have a feeling you're going to get into shalom. I am. Shalom. How'd you know that? <laughs> How'd you know that? Well, yeah, and, and we can get into this now. Um, you know, shalom, uh, peace from uh, peace from war. It uh, that that he is the prince of. Uh, actually, you know what? Let's wait. Let's let's wait. Let's wait to get into that. Let, let's talking about the prince of peace because especially we came out of uh, a wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal Father. The prince of peace. Look the, in in the government of God, the kingdom of God. Uh, he is the Prince of Peace because there are no conflicts in the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. heavenly. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and he and, and and the reason for that is because of the peace that he has offered um, and and accomplished for us as 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 human beings uh, with him, the enmity that we had with him, um, and then he has also uh, set forth to accomplish a peace. Um, with one another. Mm-hmm. So we see that in Ephesians. Uh, we see an example of that in Ephesians chapter two. Um, and I'm going to start reading in verse 11. Um, it says, therefore, remember uh, that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time without Christ, alienated from the citizenship of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's a problem. Okay, that's a problem. Uh, Verse 13, but now, but now, again, those wonderful words like, but God, but now, verse 13, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Here, listen, listen to these words, verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups one and broke down the dividing wall of the partition by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might create the two into one new man. Again, here it is, making peace and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, having in himself put to death the enmity. 
And he came and preached, this is verse 17, uh, the good news of peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, we have we both have our access in one spirit, capital S, to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and sojourners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Amen, man. We see, we see that the peace here, the peace that we have, uh, him being the prince of peace, this is, this is crucial to understand that we have been, we have been brought near, that he has, um, he has brought peace. And we see Paul referencing that. I, I find it hard to believe Paul did not have this in mind, this, this verse in Isaiah, this section of Isaiah in, in pinning these words in, in Ephesians. He is the Prince of Peace. Um, we have now friendship with God, and with the the enmity that we had with God has been broken down through the blood of Christ. But then the blood of Christ has also broken the enmity that we have with one another in the church. So that's incredibly important to remember. Romans one seven. We have peace from God offered through Christ. Uh, Romans five one. He makes peace with God to those two who surrender to him. Uh, Philippians 4, and, and he brings the peace of God to those who walk with him. This is huge. The Prince of Peace is not just a slogan, not just something that we would put on a shirt or put in a song, but it's important because this is who Christ is. I mean, look at, look at the way Christ was announced in Luke and in Matthew, you know, look at, look at the words that were used. Um, uh, uh, Luke, Luke two, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Right. Uh, just, just some, just some huge things to remember, um, and, and acknowledge in the fact that he is the Prince of peace. Go ahead, buddy. What you got? That's right. No, it's a, that's good. Let's uh, let's let's keep moving along. We've got a whole nother verse we need. I to know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. So verse seven says there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. So again, we see this 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 declarative statement. There will be no end, no lack of increase. Okay. So not only is there a, po- a negative here, but there's a positive. Um, not only will there be no end, but there's no lack to the increase, the abundance, the greatness of, I mean, you, you could, uh, you could even, you know, put, put absolute in front of the, to the, to the absolute increase of what, of his government, his dominion, his rule, his kingdom, his empire. Remember what we talked about in verse six or of peace, yeah, what we just we, talked about. Yeah. We can say it's always growing. That's right. It's never growing. not growing. Absolutely, absolutely. And we see, we see that um, in, in scriptures in the scriptures before myriads. Right, myriad is the um, uh, myriad. There uh, is myriads upon myriads. Right, ten thousands upon ten thousands upon ten thousands. And so we see. I mean, that, that that's always increasing. Um, and, and Isaiah promises that here. There will be absolutely no end or abundance of the increase of his rule, his kingdom on his shoulders, or of the peace offered 
uh, to the elect um, and among the household of faith. That's right. That's right. Now, continuing on from that, we get into that on the throne of David and over his kingdom. So, so there will be no no increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom. So this ties directly back into what we were talking about at the beginning of verse six, Mm -hmm. that this child is from the root of David, the one who would sit on the throne of David. Now we know that Christ fulfilled this in that when we get to Acts 2, uh, beginning in verse 30, and then we go over to Acts 13, beginning in verse 34, we actually have two parallel sermons, one by Peter, one by Paul, where they talk about the resurrection of Christ being the fulfillment of Christ sitting on, on the throne of David. That's right. And, and so then when, when we actually get into the, the next phrase, to establish it and uphold it, we can we can actually take that back to Daniel, Daniel chapter two, verses thirty-two through thirty-five and forty-four, and then Daniel chapter seven, verses thirteen through fourteen. Now, Daniel chapter two is the establishment of the kingdom that the Messiah would come and establish the kingdom, and Christ did that. Then Daniel seven is the receiving of that kingdom upon his ascension to heaven. So Christ came, he brought his kingdom, he established his kingdom, and then when he resurrected, it was the fulfillment of him sitting on the throne to where he ascended into heaven, and he received that the fullness of that kingdom. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, and and, and brother, this, this also speaks to the need uh, for us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ to study the life of David. Um, there's, you know, current, current, uh, uh, yeah, you know where I'm going. Um, so, so I didn't think you were going to go there tonight. (laughs) Well, I'm not going to, we're not going to go there a ton, but I'm just going to, or, or in, in detail, but let me just say this, you cannot, and you should not as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, look at David and, um, because of your victim status and because of something that may or may not have happened to you. Uh, you, you can't look at David and not study the life of David. Uh, it's very important to study the life of David, to understand that Christ himself, our Messiah, our Savior, comes from the line of David. Um, that is key. Well, we don't have time to get into that, why that's key tonight, but that is incredibly important. Um, and, and, and brother, to your point, I, I lo- again, I love the words Isaiah used here to establish it. Uh, to to set it up, to fix it, to secure it. So, I mean, this is to, to this is securely determined to prepare, to stand up, to make ready, to make ready what the the kingdom of God mm-hmm. through Christ to establish it, and then to uphold it, to sustain it, to strengthen it, to support it. Here's a good word an, uh, uh, in the in in the Hebrew, almost the Greek in the Hebrew. Something else you see here for the for the phrase to uphold it is to refresh it. Hmm. Thought that was very, very interesting, um, and and the implications of that, um, it meaning this that 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 Christ's kingdom is a pure kingdom. That hmm. Nothing, nothing is going to contaminate or pollute it, uh, as much as we as as fallible uh, people try to mess it up. <laughs> so, Christ <laughs> will uphold 
establish and uphold or refresh his kingdom when necessary. Again, there are a lot of implications there. We could go off on a rabbit trail, but I just wanted to point that out in studying for this. I thought that was very, very interesting. Um, so, so he does this, he establishes, establishes it and upholds it. Um, how does he do that? With justice. Okay. This is important. The word with there is a key, this, this phrase is key. So, so it with justice is one phrase in the Hebrew. Uh, now, this is a judicial term. It's a judicial phrase that he, he upholds it or refreshes it. How does he do that? With perfect judgment, with right justice, with absolute justice, with God justice. We have to remember God is justice. God is just. He, he not only establishes it, but he upholds it with his justice according to his rule and his word, um, not ours. Go ahead, buddy. No, no, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, keep going. Keep going. Justice and righteousness. Um, uh, so, so he, so, and righteousness here. Okay, you know what? Uh, go ahead. I am going to break in there. Uh, <laughs> When we think of the term justice, that's a term that's thrown out so much today. And it's a term that because people throw it out so much, people have no clue what it actually means. <laughs> right. And 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 you touched on it or you hit on it. Perfect judgment. In order to have right justice, the only right justice comes from God himself, because he is the one who ultimately declares what is right and what is wrong, or what is mm -hmm. just and what is unjust, as in mm -hmm. penalty that is due or not, or, or to be withheld. Mm -hmm. um, so, so he, he establishes his government on right justice, mm -hmm. and he upholds his, his, his government on right justice. That's right. That's right. Amen, brother. Amen. Well, and he does so righteously. Mm -hmm. um, uh, because why? God is mm -hmm. righteousness. Right. That is an attribute of who he is. His truthfulness, um, uh, his acts. He is the judge. He is the ruler. Uh, he is the king. Um, it is his law. It is his kingdom. Mm -hmm. uh, and and, and he, he does so again, perfectly honestly right righteousness god's well, let's, righteousness let's, let's, let's say it let's say it this way throw in throw in this word with purity mm. a justice of purity meaning it's not tainted by anything outside of him come on bro. because he is perfectly just that means the justice and the righteousness that comes forth is absolutely pure amen amen Amen, brother. And, and when does he do this? And how does he do this? Isaiah says, from then on. Okay, from then on. So from the now, establishment. Right. From the very beginning, from the establishment to the present, and then henceforth forevermore. For eternity. For eternity, continuing without end. Um, it doesn't end. It doesn't stop. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, and I, I think the majority of our listeners know this, but we can say that, that, uh, that, that Jesus, God is alive, God, the father, God, the son, God, the spirit, um, and has, has established and upholds his 
perfect kingdom, with his perfect justice, with his perfect righteousness from then on, right? From the, from the beginning of time itself, henceforth, uh, that's literally how you could translate it from henceforth and forevermore. Mm-hmm. Um, that also is, sh- should bring hope. It yeah. should, it should bring right. encouragement. I mean, if, if uh, obviously the rest of this should as well, but, but, but what a re- nothing, nothing will come against the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Nothing can shake the foundation of the, the government that rests on the shoulders of Christ. Nothing will shake that. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think also it, it would be fair to say here as well, people kind of have this, this mindset of anything good is of God and anything bad is of the devil. But <laughs> to quote, to quote Steve Lawson, yes, right, sir. Come the, on. the devil is God's devil. Come on, bro. Okay. So it, God is the one who is in control of everything. Yes. Nothing happens outside of his sovereign decree. Okay. That's right. So you need to stop giving the devil more power than he actually has. He's not a sovereign. He's a created mm-hmm. being. Okay. So when we when we look at this, God brings the judgment. God brings the righteousness establishes it and and and, he establishes it it, he upholds it and nothing again like you said nothing can come against that which god establishes and and here's here's something else that we need to that we can build on top of that the church is christ's church because christ said he will build it he upholds it right he establishes it therefore if you see a church crumble and uh, implode, dissolve, disband, you know that wasn't one of Christ's churches. Absolutely. Because just because a church is erected doesn't mean that brings glory to God. Because God may tear it down because it, in fact, did not bring him glory. Hmm. Because God is about his justice, his righteousness in purity, the purity of his word proclaimed, right? Well, why people, people talk about preach revival all the time, right? They pray for revival all the time. The problem, you know why you don't see revival? Because you see all these people preaching revival and they're not preaching Christ. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're not bringing the one that they're not preaching the one who actually brings forth perfect justice and righteousness in his government and establishes it. And, and the one who brings it, Christ. Mm-hmm. How how can you how can you long for something when you neglect the one who brings it? Yeah, yeah, amen. <laughs> but I mean, the, the, just but just 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 to kind of cap it off, again, nothing like you said can come against what Christ establishes, nope. because Christ establishes His government now. And he carries it on forevermore. It's constantly growing. It's always growing. It's eternal. What an indicator for hope. Why ever be down about anything? Okay, so you look outside and you see the government being tyrannical and whatever. Who cares? God's on the throne. Come on, bro. Right? 
What are they yeah. going to do? Mm. Kill me and send me send me to my lord? Oh no. Don't do that. <laughs> well, and uh, you know, I let me let me let me make a bold statement here. I, I I and I agree with you on what you just said. And and I think you're on to something there. We might need to take another episode to to expound on this, but you see the government acting tyrannical. Okay, fine. Um I think understanding and being resolved in your heart. And when I say heart, I'm referring to like the Greek heart, cardia, the spiritual seat of who you are, the soul. If you're resolved in your soul to understand that it's God through Christ who has established his rule, his government, his dominion on his shoulders, and he establishes it, he upholds it with justice, perfect justice, right justice, right righteousness, from then on, henceforth, and forevermore, then you know what? You don't need to walk around and be yelling at the top of your lungs and being militant for the state sake of being militant. No, there's going to be a rest and a peace about you that, yes, if you have to stand up and publicly say something, and as you should, but you do it in a way that expresses your love for and the, the focus on the glory of God and the fact that you're resolved in this truth, that you understand that nothing is going to shake, nothing is going to, um, there's no gust of wind uh, that's going to come below the kingdom off of Christ's shoulders. Nothing is going to shake that. So to your point, so what? Mm-hmm. Now, not I'm not saying so what in a way of just sit on your hands and don't do anything because that that's not it. Right. But when you do respond, not yeah. react, when you do well, respond, well, you respond yeah. in a way that reflects your resolution. Well, let me of, say of res- in terms of what we're responding to, you're responding to those things that Caesar tries to put his hand in that God says no. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. That's absolutely. what you're responding to. It's not that. It, it, it's not where we're coming into something and Caesar says, don't do this. And, you know, it's, it's something just out of the blue, you know, that has no meaning for anything. Right. 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 It's like, but where, where Caesar oversteps that line to what God says, right. Like gathering on the, on the Lord's day, Caesar has no, has no business to tell the believer what he can and cannot do. Uh, especially on the Lord's day with what God has commanded. So at that point we say, no, we are going to obey God and we defy tyrants at that point. Absolutely. Yeah. But you do so. But my whole point is you do so in a way that you're not desiring to be militant. Right. I'm not pulling out my guns and pointing. Correct. 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 But but, and you know what else I'm not doing? Let, Let me, let me, let me say this very clearly. You know what else I'm not doing? I'm not getting on social media and calling politicians names that I don't agree with. You're not. How does that glorify God? How does that make much of Christ? How does that edify? How does that admonish? If you're getting on social media and just because there's, there, 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 I mean, our, our president currently, as of the recording of this episode, our president currently is not one I vote for, voted for, would never vote for. He is absolutely under the judgment of God, and we can see that wholeheartedly. However, however, understanding that it is God who establishes and upholds his kingdom, his government, his dominion, his rule. You know what? I'm not going to get on social media and blast the man. I'm not going to get on social media and say something like, well, America couldn't handle a woman president for 15 minutes. So we gave it back to a senile old man. That does nothing to glorify God. 
that does nothing but cause division and divisiveness and shows some insecurity. It shows that you're not resolved in this truth. You can, if you're going to resist, if you're going to dissent, if you're going to obey God and defy tyrants, there's still a way you need to do it. And, 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 and how that, in that moment, if you react or respond, shows where your resolution is in that moment. Just saying. <laughs> well, I just, <laughs> I'm just going to say, uh, when God wants to judge a nation, he gives them wicked rulers. Amen. It is God who raises up the leaders. He raises yes. up Pharaoh um, yep. in order yep. to show um, his power. Absolutely. Uh, through that. Absolutely. Um, so, but Absolutely. moving on. <laughs> No, and that's what I'm saying. We might need to revisit that on another episode. But, but, and, and I'm not saying that we don't respond. I'm not saying that we don't. I don't want to use the word react. I'm not saying that we don't respond. I'll just, I'll just leave it there. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we do respond, but we respond in a way that shows that do we don't fear, mm-hmm. and and we respond in a way that reflects the glory of God, mm-hmm. and um, not in a way that shows our own flesh and pride. I'll just, yeah, we'll leave it there. Move on. <laughs> so, now, uh, back to uh, back to Isaiah nine. This last sentence here. Um, what a beautiful sentence! And I love the way the LSB renders this. The zeal of Yahweh of hosts will. There's that word "will" again. Accomplish this. The zeal of Yahweh of hosts will accomplish this. Now, the word, the phrase, the zeal, the passion. Okay, and it's that um, if you've listened to Steve Lawson talk about talk about this, it's it's the 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 just the, that that passion, that that zeal, that that jealousy, even um, a couple of cross references that that I've um, noticed when digging into that phrase, the zeal, uh, Psalm sixty nine nine for zeal, uh, for zeal for your house has consumed me, uh, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. Um, same, same phrase there. Uh, Psalm 79, five, how long, O Yahweh, will you be angry forever? Will your jealousy burn like fire? So the zeal, the passion, the jealousy of Yahweh, the Lord of hosts. Um, and, and, and that, that, that phrase there of hosts, I mean, you see that 486 times in, in the old Testament. Uh, used in in 462 different verses. This is referring to armies, large numbers, the Lord of hosts. Um, that is who he is, Yahweh of hosts. He will accomplish this. He will do it. It's definite. It's been made. It's been complete. It It, it is done. He well, will do it. Go ahead. I, I like the the usage of the term zeal as the jealousy Jealousy yeah. of the Lord. Yeah. Uh, and that's because because this ties directly back to uh, his government, his righteousness, his justice, yeah. yep. because no other government can compare, even though they try, to right. the Lord's government. And so the Lord being a jealous God in his jealousy will say, no, I will establish mine. And the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. Right. Apparently. Right. Uh, the, the kings and rulers are only kings and rulers for a time, but 
but we have yeah. an eternal king, an eternal God that sits on the throne, and his and of his government there is no end. So then, when we and only a jealous God can do that, because once we get into where he says he will accomplish this, we have to we have to ask accomplish what? So mm-hmm. so now we're recapping and we go. He's going to accomplish the increase of his government and peace on the throne of David and establishing and upholding it with perfect, pure justice, righteousness, and peace. That's good, bro. That's good, man. That is good. Amen, brother. Amen. I got, I got nothing else to add to that. (laughs) You know what that's called? That's called a Babe Ruth home run right there. You just don't come up after that. (laughs) All right. Right. <laughs> you just sit down. Just sit down. <laughs> so there it is. There is uh there's Isaiah nine, six and seven. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of Yahweh of hosts will accomplish this. That's right. Now, kind of uh, my closing thoughts on this, because we do need to start wrapping up. (laughs) I know. Uh, So kind of my closing thoughts, I kind of want to take a different, look at a different angle that's not really directly tied into what we were talking about specifically tonight. But it has to do with because this is, you know, kind of a Christmas episode, and this is a very uh, a text that's used very much at Christmas time because of the birth of Christ. But that is dealing with kind of, and you mentioned it at the beginning in your in your introduction, and that's the kind of over commercialization of Christmas and the over commercialization of Christ Mm -hmm. um, to the point where Christ is forgotten and the gifts and presents are elevated above all else. Right. And so one of the things that, that I would like to encourage believers on as they, as they listen to this and as they're considering uh, the Christmas season that, that we, that, that we're in right now, uh, because some people are all about gifts. Some people hate the idea of gifts because of the over commercialization, but, but let me just draw you right back to, to verse six where a child is born to us, but also a son is given, which means yeah, come on. Christ is a gift. And then we can take this all the way to John 3.16, the most famous verse, um, for God so loved the world that he gave his son, right? So, so the son of God, right? Christ, the holy one, the perfect one, mm. is a gift to us. And what does this show? This demonstrates the heart of the triune God Mm. in the gifts that he gives, right? God is a perfect gift giver. So God gives the son, the son offers himself as a gift, and then the Holy Spirit applies the work of the son to us. And, And in that we see the giving heart on display of the holy triune God. So now what we shouldn't do is we shouldn't despise gifts, right? So, so, so we can say right now, kind of emphatically, 
it is not bad to give and receive gifts. Okay. (laughs) In fact, what I would say about your gift giving one is you need not be materialistic. Okay. Don't be, don't be so caught up in the, I need, I need, I want, I want, I want, I want. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Because the ultimate gift has been given for you. Yeah. Yep. That is the one gift you need. But in your gift giving, now let's, hold on, before I get there, let's go to the Magi, right? Those, the wise men who brought gifts to Christ. Now, what were the gifts that they brought? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What yep. were they doing? They were bringing gifts that were an indication of Christ as king. These were gifts that you would give a king. So even as a baby, a new, uh, well, we'll say between, between newborn and two, because that was about the time that they showed up. Right, right, right. right Between right. a newborn and two. Uh, they brought gifts fit for a king, a ruler. They recognized him as king of Israel. And so in our gift giving, we need to give with a heart that demonstrates our love for God, first and foremost. And then we give to others out of the overflow of our love to God. So That's our right. our gift to others should demonstrate our heart posture to God, right? We Because you can tell when someone just kind of goes, uh, I got this for you. I, I, I had a feeling you'd like it. And you go, <laughs> dude, one, this is a pink girl's gift. You know me, not at all. Clearly, just by physical appearance. Okay, right, I agree. So, yeah. So it's like, uh, so some people just just go go through the motions and don't even think about. It. That is not how God gives to us. That is not how God gave no. for us. No. Okay. So when we give a gift, uh, we need to give with the same heart posture of our Lord. Amen. Wow. Wow. Uh goodness man how do you follow that that's another babe ruth home run man i'm just gonna sit down um no man I, you know one of the one of my favorite uh passages of scripture to read um especially this time of year is uh is mary's response to uh the news that that she was going to um bear a child and that this child was going to be jesus the son of god the messiah but wait she I, didn't know though oh gosh yeah i know right <laughs> Mary, did you know? Yes. Okay. Song's over. Um, so, so after she gets back uh, from, vi- or, you know, after she visits Elizabeth, I love the way scripture pins her response, um, the Magnificat. And um, this is one of my favorite sections of scripture, Luke chapter one, uh, starting in verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit is rejoiced in God, my savior, for he has looked upon the humble state of his slave for behold, from this time on, and all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation towards those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, and he has exalted those who were humble. And that's, that's through verse 52, but what a response, right? My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit is rejoiced in God, my savior. Um, in response to 
the child being born, the son being given, um, the, 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 the government, his government established upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. And then I, and going back to Isaiah 7, Emmanuel, God with us. Is this our response in all that we do? Do we stop and say, because of what God has done and accomplished through the work of the Son, applied by the Spirit, do I stop and say daily, my soul, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. And then going back, man, brother, going back to, I mean, that, that speaks to something you said earlier, is just, do we live in a way in response to that, that, that shows that, that, that we desire to obey the law of God. Why? Because we want to, that's our desire. And we will stop at nothing, uh, hopefully, um, to, to mortify the deeds of the flesh and to obey the law of God and all that we do so that we can truly stand and say that whatever we've done in word and deed, our soul has magnified the Lord. Uh, because of the fulfilled promise of the child being born and the son given. Amen. There you go. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. We hope you guys have enjoyed this episode of Matter of Theology. And uh, stay tuned. We'll catch you on the next one.